Hello and welcome to Need a Go. Need a Go is a podcast meant to help you take your learning on the go. Our goal is to support administrators, tech coordinators, educators, and just anyone in their learning journey. So whether you are at home, work, the gym, or on your commute, we are glad you're joining us. Now for the latest episode of Need a Go. Hello and welcome to this month's episode of the Nita Go podcast. As we all continue to learn in this new school year, uh, we also continue to grow together and we are super excited today. Uh, Jesse Lubinsky is our featured guest this month. He currently serves as an education evangelist for Adobe. He has two decades of experience in educate in the education space as an education technologist, teacher, and school administrator. One of the great things about having Jesse on with us today is he is also going to be our keynote speaker at the Fall NIDA Conference on November 7th in Kearney. So today I'm excited to get a little more information. Jesse's keynote topic is reimagining learning from A to Z. He's also got four breakout sessions that he'll dive into a little bit and give us a little sneak peek of what we can expect. So Jesse, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Well, as we get going here, I think I think the best thing would be to just kind of have you share a little bit about your background, why you got into education. Now you're with Adobe speaking across the country. So you have a wealth of knowledge and we're excited to have you, but give us a little sneak peek of uh, your background. Wow. Um, <laughs> I wish there was a short answer to that. So I um, originally went to school, uh, got a degree in computer science and went into the tech field. So I was a tech consultant for Fortune 500 companies. And then when the tech bubble burst back in 2000, I was, uh, I'd always had a passion for teaching and education. So I actually joined the New York City Teaching Fellows Program and became a teacher in the Bronx. And the way that program worked, it was kind of like Teach for America. They threw you into class right away and then taught you how to teach while you were doing it. So, yeah. you know, because of course it, it, that'll work. I mean, you know, <laughs> so it was a little bit of a trial by fire, but love teaching, uh, did that for around a decade and then crossed over the dark side, became an administrator for another decade and uh, then formed my own ed tech startup with a few other educators called Ready Learner One. And while I was there, we actually wrote uh, two books, one called Reality Bites, Innovative Learning Using Augmented and Virtual Reality, as well as the eSports Education Playbook, Empowering Every Learner Through Inclusive Gaming. And then earlier this year, I actually joined Adobe as an education evangelist. So it's been a um, you know wild ride. I've loved all of my different stops, and I'm really excited for the work we've been doing at Adobe and the work we have ahead of us. Wow, that is awesome. Um... It's always neat. I always say it's always neat to hear other uh, other people in the education space, their journeys of how they got to different places. And everyone's got such a unique uh, background, but it all centers around students and what we can do in the education space to make our students grow and be better and ourselves as educators. So thank you. It's for so all funny. I used to joke that um, when I was a director of technology, that none of us had taken the same path to get there. There was completely different pathways, but I think you're right. At the core of everything is our our passion for you know helping students, for helping our peers, for really making a difference. So I think ultimately, as long as we are following that path, you know, I think we're all in a good place, no matter how we got here. 
Absolutely. I always tell people we all educate the same kids in some way, shape or form because we're sharing information and connecting with the kids and they get the information, whether it's from us or someone else in our space, they're all going to get it. So we can always continue to work better together, right? Love it. So we're super excited, Jesse, that you're going to come to the fall conference in November. And like I mentioned earlier, you have four breakouts and then your uh, keynote. What are you excited about or what can uh, attendees expect from your keynote or even your sessions at the conference in November? So I am doing one session for each of the two books since that, you know, those are pretty relevant topics to educators right now, particularly since I know there's an administrative focus at this event, kind of letting them know what this is all about. You know, what is ARVR all about? What is the impact on the metaverse? I'm actually going out to San Mateo next week to present at the metaverse summit. Oh, uh, wow. As part of a panel on work in the edgeverse. So that's definitely a passion area of mine. And then esports, you know, what's going on with esports? What are the different pathways for schools to be able to provide those meaningful opportunities for students to be able to participate in them? What does it mean for the school? What does it mean for the student? Really kind of giving a high level overview of what esports is all about. And then my other two sessions are actually going to be on Adobe Express, which is the product I mainly focus on in my work at Adobe, which is our creation tool for um, videos, graphics, and web pages, which is available for free to every teacher and student uh, in the country. So really what we're going to do is start off with a quick intro, talk about how our schools can get access to it, do some quick creation. And then uh, my second session will be a create-a-thon where we'll actually do some of these challenges that we've been posting for educators online, which have really gained some serious momentum and traction and um, have kind of gone viral in a way that we didn't expect. And when you see some of the things that teachers are creating in their own classrooms, along with their students, it's really just so inspiring. I'm, I'm thinking in my head, like the Adobe stuff, in my role as a tech integrationist, I feel like I'm already excited about those sessions because I dabble in things like that. And then I step away and then I dabble <laughs> and I step away and I'm like, oh, it's time to like dabble back in. You know, it's funny, having, you know, been in Adobe consumer prior to coming to Adobe, I know that there's, you know, generally, if you ask a crowd of people, what are, what do you think of when you think of Adobe, they'll usually say PDFs and Photoshop first. Yeah. But, um, you know, oftentimes there's this idea that, you know, Adobe products are really power user products and not for the general user. And that's one of the things I love so much about Adobe Express is anyone can use it. And that's why I love modeling it with teachers is because they see within a matter of minutes, they can get their students creating meaningful learning artifacts that can really kind of change uh, the way we do things in our classroom and possibilities uh, and outlets for student creativity, which is actually kind of one of the main points of my keynote since you, I'm kind of bringing it full circle now. So my keynote is called Reimagining Learning from A to Gen Z. And really, if I were going to give like a high level focus to it, it's taking a look at this generation of learners and how they differ from us when we were in school or some of the generations that we may have taught when we first started teaching, depending how old you are. I, I don't want to uh, make any presumptions, Heather. I, I will tell you that you, you saw when I was on video for a minute, there's a lot of gray hair. So I've been in, I've been in the game for a while. Um, You're 25 for me. So there you go. <laughs> so, uh, you know, we've done a lot of research at Adobe and, and there's been a lot of research done into the characteristics of today's students. So I like to think that this talk is divided into two main parts. The first part is we talk about the importance of creativity, which is a real focus of my work at Adobe, uh, why it's important, what the research shows. 
And really what's interesting is our evangelism team at Adobe, there's seven of us. And as we travel and kind of present uh, at these events, we call our creativity institutes. Each one of us will usually do like a short 15 minute talk on one aspect of creativity that particularly resonates with us. And I built that mini talk into this keynote in terms of the, this one aspect of creativity that really kind of um, fascinates me. Mm -hmm. And so I don't want to uh, spoil that part, but that's, there's a little crowd participation and it's, uh, you know, definitely one of my favorite things to do in person. And then the second half of the talk, we actually take a look at five characteristics of Gen Z uh, students, along with some student stories that align with those, um, with those dispositions. So, you know, what are, what is important to Gen Z learners and how do we tap into that in our classrooms? How do we um, be mindful of that when we're designing instruction, when we're building a school community, things like that. And all of this is research supported. So, it's really about like, wow, we can't really teach these kids the same way that we were taught or that we were taught to teach because they're different and what's important to them and what their values are differ from what students in previous years, um, you know, had kind of been interested in within the classroom setting. So I think it, it provides some real food for thought in terms of rethinking, well, what should our schools look like? What should our classrooms look like? And uh, that's that's kind of the... Um, you know, the two main parts of the talk. I will say that a couple of the stories I share in this keynote are stories that I shared, student stories that I shared way back when I first started keynoting back in like 2015, 2016. But what's cool is I followed these student stories and I talk about their journey and where they've ended up as a result of being supported in the way that they needed to be supported. And it's really inspiring. It's just, you know, I, I storytelling is really such a powerful way of, of learning. And I think hearing some of these student stories and seeing what they've gone through is just incredibly powerful. I would agree. You, you got me thinking, I had a conversation with one of our administrators this week, and you're talking about how the students are different now than they were before, which is a hundred percent true. But the conversation I had centered around, uh, we brought up the idea of how, when you meet the needs of all learners, you don't necessarily I don't want to say not necessarily, but the conversation was mostly around when you're doing a lesson or kids are working on a project and one student asks a question. I, I remember the days when I would stop the entire class <laughs> and address that question and how now you have to be conscientious about that and thinking you think more now into the different learners in your classroom and how a, you've got learners that are struggling that might need that, but there might only be two or three. B, the ones that are doing just fine are super annoyed at the fact that you just stopped them when they could be continuing on. So those are just the, the shifts, like you said, of right. the, different, the, the learning environment and paying attention to that. And my comment to the administrator was, man, you know, whatever, 15 years ago, if I could go back and change that, I would not want to be that teacher. Now. As proud as I am of the work I did in the classroom, like when I first started teaching, I recognized <laughs> not what a bad teacher I was, but just like how much I didn't realize at the time or how much I did because I thought that's the way I was supposed to be teaching. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this doesn't really spoil the talk or anything like that. But one thing I do talk about is this idea that students do want to be active learning partners in the classroom and not just kind of spoken at or kind of told, this is what you have to do. Like they ask why they want to know, why do they have to know this? Why do they have to do this? It's, it's not as simple as it used to be where we assign and 
things are done, no questions asked. <laughs> and I don't think that's the worst thing. I think it forces us in a certain respect to have to be more reflective about the work we're doing. Um, but to your point, yeah, the, the, the classroom is a lot different in terms of um, some of the things we would have done way back when we probably wouldn't do now in terms of how we engage with our students, how we interact with them, the types of assignments we give them, the role of the teacher in the classroom. Uh, and I think it's something we all struggle with still. Um, the role of the teacher is changing. The role, you know, the needs of our students are changing. So how do we continue to pivot and move in that, that, uh, that right direction when there's also so much that's expected of us in the classroom and in schools beyond just the work we do in our classroom. I think before it used to be really simple, right? We come in, we do, we, you know, we work on our preps, we teach our classes and that's it. But I think, you know, there's so much more expected of teachers now. Absolutely. Well, I'm intrigued. And my next question for you was uh, regarding like takeaways from the sessions, but you kind of alluded to a, a, a lot of that. Is there anything else from any of your other sessions, maybe esports or something that might, um, support attendees on some of their takeaways that they might be able to look forward to? You know, the esports session, not that it's like, not that it's my least favorite, but it's definitely the most of me just kind of talking uh, about like our findings in the book and things like, and the research we did, um, as opposed to, you know, I love my hands-on sessions. That's a little bit less of a hands-on and more of an informational session, but I think people are surprised at the benefits of esports and what is actually happening happening out in the field. It seems like it kind of came out of nowhere, but it really didn't. And it's been kind of building for several years, this kind of momentum towards esports. And um, prior to joining Adobe, one of the last projects I did uh, um, at, my, at my old company was, you know, we developed a, a high school curriculum, an, um, an English curriculum for esports that ultimately produced a, resulted in a capstone project that students would have a portfolio that they can show colleges as they applied. And what's interesting is, and this is one of the interesting takeaways that you asked about, is that a lot of students are earning scholarships uh, to college for esports, but not as gamers, as content creators, as broadcasters, as streamers, as journalists. So there's a ton of roles within an esports program that I don't think people even realize are an important part. And that's where Adobe comes in is, you know, a lot of that content creation is being done using Adobe tools. And so these are all you know, we talk about preparing students for jobs of the future, and those are kind of the jobs of the future. Esports is huge. And these students are actually developing, you know, work skills for the future now. Absolutely. And esports is growing. It's it's pretty big here in Nebraska now, and it continues to to grow. Different yeah. schools are jumping on board and they're all at different, you know, different levels and places because I think, like you said that we just have to empower these students with those skills, whether they are playing the games or they're commentating the competitions. But this just shows you how far we've come. Because if you think back 15 to 20 years, when I first started, if kids were like, well, I want to play video games in school, we would have been like, what are you crazy? That, that, that has nothing to do with school. And now we see that not only does it have to do with school, but there's a number of SEL benefits and, you know, other reasons that even, reasons that I'll kind of unpack during the session that make esports such a critical part of the school community to the point where I would actually say that any school that isn't at least looking at implementing an esports program is probably already behind. Yep. Definitely some good takeaways there. Um, we, I, I'm excited. I can't wait to have you in Nebraska. I'm excited. <laughs> I can't wait for Nebraska educators to learn and grow and just 
hear these, not only, you know, as the education pedagogy type things, but just the whole creativity side too, of how that enhances the learning opportunities and the experiences for these kids. Um, kind of a little random question as we close out today. Obviously, you're going to be coming to Nebraska for the conference on November 7th, as we said earlier. Have you been to Nebraska, Jesse? So this is actually, uh, I'm going to keep it short, but it's a little bit of a story. I have been to Nebraska. I've actually presented in Nebraska before. I, I um, So I have a podcast called Partial Credit, which I co-host with Donnie Piercy, who is the 2021 Kentucky Teacher of the Year, and Jeffrey Heil, who's based out of San Diego. And we actually did a live episode of the podcast as part of the opening day keynote for the Great Plains Summit. That was in July of 2019. But the funny part of the story is, you know, we were really excited to come to Nebraska. I hadn't been. And, you know, I was right next door and we're like, oh, we should fly into Des Moines and go to the Field of Dreams and then just mm-hmm. hop right over to Nebraska because, you know, everything in, in the Midwest is probably 45 minutes from 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 uh, <laughs> is from each other. Um, that's not exactly how it works, apparently. So we wound up driving out to the Field of Dreams. It was great. But then that left us a five-hour drive to get to Lincoln. And I think we only had like five and a half hours to make that drive. So it was a, a bit a bit stressful, but I loved uh, going out there. I'm excited to be coming back. And uh, this time I'm not going to go to Iowa. Gonna... <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I knew that story. I, re- I think I remember hearing that story, but several of the listeners would not. And, the, and a lot of us around the Midwest can relate. Uh, that is one place I have not Ben is the field of dreams that is on my list to get over there. But like you said, it's not 45 minutes is a little bit of a drive. So, right. So I did actually, so coming in uh, for this event, I'm going to fly into, you know, the choice, I, I, since I can't fly directly in, yeah, I could have gone to Omaha, but what I'm going to do is go to Kansas city, which I've never been to. And then on the drive on the way, since I've never stepped foot into Kansas on the way to the event is the central point of the United States, the, the geographical center. There I can't remember go. exactly where it is. It's in Kansas though. So that's going to be my fun little detour on the way to the event. So I'm <laughs> excited for that. And then excited to. Well, you're um, going to have to throw that in your keynote or one of your sessions. So we can I will take a picture. I will, I will take you? a good picture and make sure to insert it into the keynote. Yes. <laughs> well, thank you, Jesse, for your time today. We appreciate it. We're looking forward to it. And our listeners will get a good um, taste of what to expect. And um get excited about the conference on November 7th. So we look forward to having you and thank you again for your time. Thank you. I am really looking forward to learning alongside everyone on uh, November 7th. So looking forward to seeing everyone.